0: Welcome to the Spirit of Coaching podcast, a show that brings new solutions to the world of coaching and athletics. I'm your host, Scott Fox, a mental health and sport performance coach with over 13 years of experience in the field. We have a great guest today. His name is Darius Gilbert Darius is the founder of dynamic sport performance based in Alexandria, Virginia, but operating nationally. And, uh, someday internationally, as we cross over to, uh, other countries. Welcome Darius. Thank you, coach Fox. It's, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of conversations off camera,
1: but it's great to have one where we could share some of our thoughts and our conversations with some of your, uh,
0: viewers and some of my viewers as well. I'm excited. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're right. We have, we have a lot of conversations and I was thinking that we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary. Hard to believe. Is that right? Yeah, that right? I would say November of this year will be 10 years that we have known each other and we've had the great pleasure of uh, seeing kids and adults become more athletic, helping them be athletic, collaborating on a baseball uh, throwing program, um, man, just collaborating on, I don't know, supporting each other and supporting yes. other people. And it's been yes. a joy and it continues to be a joy. So I hope the listeners will enjoy our conversation. Darius is um one of the great world-class trainers of the of the land. He happens to live in my hometown here of Alexandria. And um truly is known across the globe for being a great trainer and an expert in the use of kettlebells. And we'll dive into that a little deeper. Um but Darius, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into some questions here. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I'm going to keep this brief. Every time I do a workshop, yeah. my coaches, they carve out like 40 minutes for me to talk about myself here. <laughs> like, we don't want to talk all day coaches, don't really not about myself, but uh, I'm going to keep this brief here. Uh, mm-hmm. My name's Darius of course, know, and um, I'm from Alexandria, I grew up in Alexandria, um, I went to, uh, Mount Vernon Elementary and went to GW Junior High. And then I ended up going to Episcopal High School, which is a private school, well-known private school located in Alexandria for four years. Um, played multiple sports there, baseball, football, basketball, ran a little track. I winded up, um, committed to play football at UVA, um, my senior year. In saying that, I thought I had a better shot of playing college basketball, but due to some um, unforeseen circumstances, I chose to go ahead and play football in college. But I had a options, baseball and basketball as well, deep, Division I school. So um, um, I went to UVA. Um, I've I stayed there for two and a half years. Um, I wasn't the best student. I think I was more excited about getting to the NFL than going to school. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, kind of backfired on. Um, I had a kid at the time and my daughter, uh, my first daughter, first of five, um, she's actually stayed in the dorm with me while I was at UVA and so that was just a huge, uh, it it's a huge deal at the time being, you know, playing at an elite high level football and having my daughter with me on campus was it, you know, I grew up really, really fast. Um, and saying that, obviously my, my grades were where they needed to be, so I went home, began to take care of my family. Um, Set out for two and a half years. Winded up going to Canada for just a brief stint. And um, at the time, um, I just remember, oh, I, I'm skipping over something. I'm sorry, Coach. Um, after UVA, set out for two and a half years, I went to a small private school outside of Memphis, Tennessee, named Lambeth University. Um, it's a private school. Um, but so funny, um, we ended up having maybe five, draftable players on my team, the the school probably had 900 kids in the whole school. So you can just tell we were were there for, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, LSU, Florida, Notre Dame. And, uh, we went on to dominate, um, football at at that, at that level. And I had a ton of NFL teams after me at the age of 26. So that's, that's one thing I'm really proud of is that um, I was able to garner that type of opportunity. Slated to be a fourth round picky, even at the age of twenty six, a lot of my friends on that team went on to the NFL. So I know it was uh, at the right place, the right time. Unfortunately, um, everything didn't work out. Um, my agent sent me to Canada to the Edmonton Eskimos. I had a recent there, and um, my second daughter was having some health issues, and I decided just to get away from football, go back home, and just finally say, "Hey, I'm done with football. Let me move on. Let me build a career for myself." Um, a great friend of mine introduced me. all this. I like to work out. And she, she said to me, why don't you become a trainer? You have this smile, this personality. I'm sure you'll be great at it. Um, I did. And I uh, started going to some courses, taking some courses. I got certified through the Czech Institute, which is a corrective holistic exercise kinesiology certification program. Um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It really taught me how to not only eat, how to live, how to deal, you know, how to train, all of those things, which are really important, which we we still uh, focus on today. So I learned from the best from the Paul Tech Institute. Um, I got into my training uh, in 2002, I worked at Gold's gym. By 2004, I had uh, a full slated 30 member kettlebell class going in the middle of Gold's gym, which was like uncomfortable for everybody. (laughs) Um, And so finally leaving there, um, I knew I had a good grasp on what I wanted to do. Um, just driving down the street, I saw a sign, a guy had a space for lease. He said, Hey, you have this amount of money, you can move in tomorrow. And I did have the money. And, uh, my cool. clients came all came with me and that's how it just basically cool. got cool. started. So
0: you've been at this for 20 years with your own business. Yes. And, and even before then, and of course you're an athlete beyond that. That's awesome. And there's so much more to say about you, Darius, but we'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's cool. So, you know. I know that, um, trained, you know, I don't even know hundreds that maybe thousands of people at this point. Um, and at one point you were specializing in the development of young athletes and young really, I don't know, maybe middle school, high school was a sweet spot, but occasionally you get an elementary school kid who pops in there. And um, that was awesome. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that here. There's just so much information out in the world these days. Nobody really knows who to trust. And you Mm -hmm. see things that are happening that are even being done by, you know, organizations and institutions that have a good, we'll call it a brand name or reputation. And yet perhaps they're really not doing things that are optimal for the young athlete. Um, What do you see out there in the world that could be done better for, Young athletes, maybe two or three. Things. We talk about,
1: you know, I think you and I have conversations about, you know, just travel organizations, then the kids are being, you know, just doing too much at such a young age. Um, the, the bodies aren't strong enough to take on. It's amazing. We used to always say, you know, how our, our young hockey athletes play more games than the actual professionals. Our young travel league basketball players play more games than the NBA players on frames that have those strengths still forming, still growing. Um, and then you add in the mental, um, total of the games and trying to keep up and not be left out. I mean, it's all taking a toll. So let, let me,
0: let me jump in there then. So sure, we've got young athletes who are playing, 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 and let's just make a discussion point here. I thought that, you know, if you put in a lot of time, that's good. That's good for developing something, whether you want to be, you know, a writer or an athlete or whatever, I thought you put in a lot of hours. How come playing lots of games is, um, perhaps not the optimal thing to do for most of these athletes? Well, I think there's uh, a, a number
1: of reasons why I don't think it's optimal for, for one the athlete is still throwing. And, um, it, it, you know, again, from, from what we see from a movement competency, from a strength strength standpoint, these kids' bodies aren't prepared to take on you know, the type of stresses that they all have in, you know, a travel season of hockey and baseball. And I don't think, and I think it's all new and vogue to people. And I don't think they really start to grasp, like, the, the consequences of this. I think they're in the moment right now. And it's easy to say, hey, we're keeping up with the Joneses. We're doing what everything everybody else is doing. But I think asked the kids, and we've seen a ton of kids who, they're they're really, really good in, you know, high school, junior high and they slam out really, really quickly and they want nothing to do with the sport. I think it's unfortunate.
0: It is unfortunate. So so you said two things here. I'm gonna come back to you. One is that their bodies are not prepared. Now, Yes. why why is that? Because, you know, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Why, <laughs> it is, that? <laughs> why is it well, that I, that a 13, 14, 15, whatever, somewhere in the teens, why are their bodies not prepare. Well, I think, you know, if you look at
1: the way we grew up, you know, I was, a, I'm sure you you played multiple sports. I played multiple sports. So the overuse entry, the same pattern over and over and over again, never doing anything to really um, counteract what they're actually doing. You know, it's uh, you see kids, I mean, they throw, they throw, they throw, they throw, but there's no arm there. There's no strength. There's no, um, there's no recovery period to it. And um, I just think over time, at I grew up, I never had an injury, I never had an injury in my entire high school, little league, elementary career. And uh-huh. that's because I played multiple sports. So I was able to, you know, I didn't have to overuse entry, but I, you know, the combination of playing three different sports made me really, really good at all of them in fact. And, um, and I think when you look at kids, if they're playing one sport year round, they, they lack the athleticism, but, um. And I think, you know, it's to overall movement competency when you're, you know, most people say that, you know, I love hockey players, but they're on skates and I don't know if they're the most athletic guys in, in the world. I train a lot of them and if you ever see them do anything besides play hockey. They can play golf, but uh, uh, hockey is about it. But I just think kids um, nowadays so really aren't playing three different sports. They're really starting to get yeah. into one sport at yeah. an early age. And, I think and, that's a and,
0: issue. and why do you think they're doing that? Well, I think they're being pushed in that direction.
1: Um, and, I, you know, it's just, again, it's keeping up. You know, if you look at these, uh, you've heard multiple stories from parents and kids where the coach is like, if you don't come to practice, if you choose to play another sport where well, you won't make the team, where you can't be on this squad. So I think it's almost like everybody's saying, hey, we're going to do it, do it this way. And people are pushing these kids to play one sport. I mean, I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine growing up and playing football when it's basketball time or when
0: it's baseball time. I, I mean, I just could not
1: imagine doing
0: that. So, so, like you season. know, we're not, we're not the first ones to talk about the, uh, we'll call it the ugliness of youth sports and, yeah. and adults who have an agenda that goes beyond or doesn't, uh, doesn't address the benefits, uh, for the athlete. They're looking to get something out of it for themselves. Um, it's a, it's a business and, of them. It's a business. Right. Right. So we get a lot of travel teams and, and whatnot. And it's interesting, right? Cause this message of don't specialize in sport has been out there for years. I mean, yes, since we, 10 years, we've been talking about it and, uh, yet people are still doing it. And, um, that's a funny thing, right. And it's all an emotional issue for the parents and the players. It's FOMO, as they say, fear of missing out, um, uh-huh. uh, and also the threats, right? There are threats. I'm sorry to say there are, whether they're stated overtly or quietly, you know, it's like in a high school program, if you don't play on this AAU team, boy, I don't know if we're going to have a spot for you next year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's, and it's kind of, you know, and that's me
1: being an athlete is kind of pushed me away. Um, you know, from, from what I'm doing with my son. I'm just letting them naturally grow. You know, we practice everything. you know, we we practice basketball, we practice strong, practice basketball. And I want to develop and have fun and then choose what he wants to do. So I'm just really, I don't think I could do well with the coach telling me and my son that they had to be somewhere when I know exactly what he needs and I know exactly what's best for him. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of um, why Darius is kind of, being pushed along slowly into the fourth quarter. arena.
0: Good. I look forward to seeing Darius just be uh, athletic and happy and whatever he does, does. I, you know, I'm so happy that, um, you and I grew up in a different era. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, it was, uh, I just think it It was was more fun in, in a lot of ways. I don't think I'm over romanticizing it. It was simply more hands off on the adults, um, more freewheeling. Oh, speaking of freewheeling, you know, you talking yes. about athleticism, I know you used to, you know, be outside all the time. You had your mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. and you, you and your buddies used to bike for miles and miles. We've had those conversations. You would go to the mall and play a little video games. Yeah. And, oh God, okay. coach. You remember that? Yes. And, uh, I just could not even fathom that these days to, for kids to be out all day and to be athletic and just have pickup games or my wife and I were talking about kids just like to challenge each other, you know, hell race you, you know, yeah, I don't exactly. know if that goes on anymore.
1: I, don't, I think it's long gone coach. I think, um, and I always tell him like, I wouldn't have needed me when I grew up. I'm like, cause I was playing everything. I was riding my bike. Are you doing this? Have you ever done it? If you have it, then I can't really equate, you know, my type of athletic system with yours. Um, because again, I was doing this for fun. Um, when I grew up and then you see the difference now, when I grew up, always wanted to play up. I was 13, man, on a 16 year old baseball team. Yeah. This kid's going to be 13 and wanting to play with nine year olds so they can dominate. <laughs> and it's like, like, where, where is that? Who wants to hang around little kids nowadays and, and try to compete against? So there's, everything's been flipped upside down. And, um. And again, you see, it's just, you know, I remember when I first coach, I remember when I first started training athletes, seriously, I think it was probably 2008. I've always had, you know, general fitness enthusiasts and and just, you know, just regular clientele, Um, but I really started to get with the athletes in 2008 and I saw the deterioration of the athlete back then. And I used to say, what is it going to look like in 10 years? What is it, what are these athletes going to look like in 15 years? And what I've seen is just. Again, movement, see strength, injury rates go up, depression, health issues, yeah. burnout. Those are the things that I thought when I first got into the business and now we're just seeing them full scale, right?
0: Yeah, and I'd, lo- I'd love to say we've hit bottom. I don't believe we have. I think it's still gonna deteriorate further, unfortunately. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we said, yeah, DSP, your company has is around for really re- remediation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we love to think that it's, it's a strength training program and it is, look through the lens of what's wrong with the young athlete. It is really just helping them get back to a baseline that was normal two decades ago. Yes. And I remember yes. when I was, I was, I've been coaching youth sports for a long time and, uh, you know, gosh, let me think about this 30 years ago. I think the, if uh, you had a team of football players, which I used to help coach. You'd have 20 kids and two of them couldn't do a decent push-up. And, and now it's reversed. Two of them oh, yeah. look good. The rest of them, oh my gosh, it's just, you're, you're back to uh, trying to figure out how can we remediate the toxicity, the weakness, the immobility that exists within them. And it's sad. I feel bad for this generation. That is a telltale sign there. I mean, just think about that.
1: You know, we could do pull ups, we could do sprints, and you know, it's rare to find a kid who can do a pull up nowadays. Um, um, um the push ups, as you know, um, I mean, Coach Fox, I mean I don't know many kids outside of the kids that we actually train because we put an emphasis on it. Um, who could actually come into DSP and do ten good push ups. I, I mean the number is, you know, maybe like you say, two out of ten. Um, maybe not even that. Yeah. Um And so, and that's a huge issue. And so you have to think, you have to think, I mean, just from the lowest level, well, if a kid can't control his own body weight, well, how can he be explosive and actually be productive in something that requires explosiveness, you know, strength, power, you know, and it's almost like, wow, I look at these kids and nothing, not to take anything away from them. They work hard and and I love working with kids. But, and I'm not here to brag on myself, I'll never do that, but I haven't seen anything close to myself or even the athletes I've because I well, wasn't, I, there were great athletes all
0: around me in Alexandria area. I wasn't the, you know, I wasn't the only one. Yeah, I get it. And it's not, obviously it's not the kid's fault. They are, they are a function of their parents and society. And we live in such a, such a different world than it was 20, yes. 30, 40 years ago. And a lot of fear and out there. Parents are afraid to let their kids go out unsupervised to play. I mean, if you just said those words to somebody, you know, would you just let your kids go roam around? You'd be horrified. In fact, their, their neighbors would probably call the police that there are some unsupervised kids. kids. <laughs> well, you
1: know, it's so funny because I think they got, they got in a hold of me a little bit. I'm like, be careful, be careful. My parents are like, hey, go and don't come back. And, you know, we'll see you later. They never worried about right. breaking an arm or being, you know, being someplace where I wasn't supposed to be. And even with me, Raising a son, I think it's like, you know, I worry, you know, sure. I worry, I worry, I worry, worry. And, um, and I shouldn't, I think the other day I let Darius go and I said, Hey, you come on the
0: basketball court by yourself today.
1: I'm not around. This is your day. And so. Well, yeah. that's a tough. good
0: move. And, and it is tough because we are inundated with these messages of fear in the media and mm-hmm. newspaper. And even just the, the vibe of the culture is is very tight, you know, cause we're scared of stuff. So it's a real challenge. And I, I tip t- 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 my hat to any parent who's aware of that and trying to do something to help their kids, um, instead of living solely in fear. Yeah. Just imagine that coach,
1: just imagine, you know, what the parents have to go through it, you know, wanting to plot their own direction for the kid. They don't have that ability to do that and, um, being able to, you, you know, he say to a coach, "Hey, Junior's tired, or so and so is tired. He needs to take a break and not be penalized, or something like that." I just feel like there's so much, you know, there's so much, and I don't want to be a, a downer, but I think see so much bad in um in the industry, um, and youth sports and kids today. But in saying that, I also want to say that it's gotten me back to where I'm now I want to get back into the business, back into training young athletes for, you know, since the pandemic, of course, I've been doing certifications, a lot of virtual stuff, and I haven't been, I have a couple of kids that I train virtually, but not no one I see one-on-one and on a one-on-one basis. But in saying that, I'm just like, I feel like I can't sit around anymore. I'm getting back into, you know, training athletes and working with groups because I just see so much bad, and I'm hoping that speaker can be a beacon for these kids, a place to where we really are. We really stress the things that we grew up playing multiple sports, making sure we eat and eating properly and making sure, we're, you know, we're generally just happy people. Um, and I just think, you know, I want to be, if no one else is going to do it, we'll do it. We'll work on it. We'll try to bring um, some some semblance of a uh, normalcy back to youth sports and training yeah. and education and, those types of
0: things. Imagine, yeah, imagine, you're right, I love it. Thank you for doing that, by the way. I'm just a huge proponent of the stuff that you do and uh, we're going to see if we can bring it to more people. Um, Yes. So you said happy people. Happy people. Man, that is such the goal that is, it should be the goal that's out there. Very rarely are, do you hear that stated? And uh, it's a miss. It's just a miss by society. So I'm really, I want all listeners to understand that, you want to get a sustainable, um, athlete, we'll call it a sustainable person, sustainable human. There's got to be an element of happiness involved. In yes. That. And yes. in my time as, um, a champion playbook, talking with coaches and parents and, and athletic directors or executives at universities, I see a lot of unhappy people mm-hmm. including coaches. And it's something that our, our society is thinking not we're experiencing right now. I don't know that we figured it out. We're in a state of awareness on it. Now it's uh, hopefully time to do some implementation and change things a little bit, but with kids, you've seen this and I saw it early on. And when my son, Daniel was coming to you as a 11, 12 year old, um, is that I walk into the studio and you see kids who are happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, part of it is your charisma. Part of it is the, the tools that you use. Um, you know, we've spoken about the uh, the kettlebell. Well, you use the kettlebell as a primary kind of weight resistance tool. Talk a little bit about why you do that.
1: Man, we love the kettlebell. And, um, you know, being... Especially you know,
0: and, as it, excuse me, especially as it relates to being happy.
1: Exactly. And uh, I think, um, you know, first of all, you know, exercise is one of the greatest ways to, to fight depression. I feel like you know, I know I feel tremendous um, when I work out, um, and it's not just any workout though. And with the kettlebell, there's I always say the people who misunderstand it have never picked it up because once you pick it up, you'll start to understand exactly what's going on, um, the nature of the tool, the way it's designed. It really um, does something special to the to the body that I've never you, you just can't get out of any modality. And then when you start to think about it from an athletic stand, standpoint, uh, what do we want to be able to do, which is resist force, reduce force, resist rotation, produce rotation. Um, and, and the weight is actually um, in my center of mass. It's closer to my body. It's not wide. Um, and so it really does. Um, and most people will tell you when you train with loads that are center, center base, um, Close to your body that you really do have a better opportunity to, to become more athletic
0: and trained. All right. I'm going to jump in on that for a moment. So you s- mentioned some subjective things and some yes. objective things. So the subjective is okay. that you feel it, you, you kind of sense that it is there. I, I, I've seen, you know, these young kids be very reticent or a little scared, and then you will do something very simple with them, which is to say, stand here and you hand them a bell with two hands on the bell right in front of them, right in front of their chest, perhaps. And they just march. And all oh, of a yeah. sudden, they feel good. Yeah. they the darndest thing. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: special. He and I like to link that to uh, a radiation grip strength that. You know, certain things are activated through grip and when you just hold something where well, the weight just displaced down and you're marching in place and you have to stabilize your trunk, anti-flexion, extension, and lateral flexion. You have to prevent those things from just holding a kettlebell. And so you're getting this amazing trunk work and you get this irradiation, which is activating your shoulders and everything in your body. And I don't think people think about when I go do a, when I, when I do even a bench press, I'm not thinking about the grip that I get from it, right? You're thinking about the pack and getting my chest and my bench up. But the magic is in grabbing things um, because it really does turn turn on, you know, different parts of the body. And then when it's front loaded like that, when it's in front of you, you really start to get this targeted effect or this direct effect to the trunk. Um, and um, when you just and then when you start to squat and, and you know, you start to move with it, you start to swing it, especially when you start to swing it. Um, and you talk the right way, the dots start to connect. I'm producing this horizontal force. I'm getting my hips more powerful. I'm using my feet to myself to the ground. The energy's coming from the ground up, which is sport. We don't play sports from the top down. So it's a ground up from the ground up, I'm um, approach to trading. Um, and then you start to, you know, when the athlete starts to understand, Hey, we can't be good throwing the baseball. If our feet are, weak. uh, we can't be strong with, a. Uh, you know, a hockey shot if our feet are weak. So we have them understanding from the ground up how this plays. and We have them understanding how, you know, you we, we play sports, we need to be training with a single leg bias. When they start to connect the dots, that's when the kettlebell really starts to, they really start to say, let me dive deeper into this. And I'll say this, the kettlebell, what it does to so the system is magical. Um, as you know, uh, um, and, and I wish I could go back and do this again, but we used to have Daniel underneath the bleachers at the track meets, like doing swings, and he would run out there and just go dust people. And I'm just like, and uh, and, it, and the reason we did that is because we wanted to activate his nervous system. I've, I've had some coach I've had uh, where simply I'm just just not not even warm, just out playing with the kids. And they'll say like, oh, go grab the rim coach. And I'm like, okay, just let me do three swings. And, and, and I'll do three swings. And they say, you know, I'm just hanging on the rim and and what see what it does. The nervous system. It's just like, who wouldn't want this? Man. Wouldn't I, love that.
0: this? I love that. I love that. And I think that that is the future of sport. I know that people have dabbled with it, um, uh, at, at the higher levels. Um, I know one of your mentors or partners there in the past coach Boyle with the Red Sox, mm-hmm. uh, had a kettlebells out on the field, just even doing very simple things with like a, a suitcase carry. And the reason is, again, is that it's activating, it's activating things. And that is such an opportunity. I think it's the really low-hanging fruit for many, many, all sports. And I loved loved it back when you and and Daniel would be under the stands (laughs) doing that. And it's because, I don't know, you know, if you did it out on the track, you probably, you know, they'd call the authorities on you. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah, (laughs) what are you doing there? And, goes into
1: that goes into another reason why. We love, love the actual kettlebell and I always tell our athletes what modality or what strength tool can you take to the baseball field with? You? Yeah. Like you can't take the squat rack to the, so why not, why not immerse yourself on something that's so powerful that you can use your pregame or in game, learn that we can't, the and, uh, and that's so, you would see our kids, you know, they would send me pictures of them doing arm bars in the batter's box. I'm like, yeah. they've
0: gone too far with <laughs> it. <Like>, well. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember having when, we were, when I was coaching Little League and it was early on in our, our kettlebell journey. Um, yeah, they, a couple of them would bring some bells and they would carry them out of the dugout, behind the dugout, do a few swings and then go up to hit. You know, and that's such a great training. And, and you know, even if um, it didn't translate into a hit at that moment, yeah. that, that connection of, hey, I'm going to use this tool to activate yes. my body. Man, that is such a great lesson. They'll never forget that. And they will always know how to train themselves and how to feel good too. Um, you know, don't in.
1: don't you, don't you don't, doesn't your hand eye coordination get better as you're activated? I mean, I know it works for me. Once I'm, when I'm activated, I can't, I'm seeing the ball better. I'm shooting the ball better. I,
0: you know, what I mean, so it's,
1: well, it, I remember it's
0: this is all anecdotal we're giving here because, you know, we don't have money for a clinical study here. But <laughs> well, we, um, but I, I, and I remember um, the young athletes at DSP who were playing soccer, rec soccer, they would come to DSP for their workout an hour or so, and then go to their game and play great. And I think that is the, just the, the laboratory results that we're seeing there, which is they had a full workout. They got activated. They weren't too tired to play. They mm-hmm. were energized.
1: Yes, yes. We didn't load their system with a heavy bar on their back. We actually awakened everything. We ignited everything. Um, and he, I, he's a young fellow who just committed the other day that you and I worked with, and I just recall him coming in and uh, I think he coming in and working with you, you think you did some drills with them and then he goes out and I think he's like 35 pitches and he threw like, Oh yeah. 30, 30 strikes or something. This is a young kid. I mean, he's like, you know, he was like 12 at the time.
0: And um, I remember that. Let's stop on him for a moment. He was 12. I remember this. And, you know, he's a, he had a goal um, when we were working with kids. I always have him choose a goal. Big, fat, hairy mm-hmm. goal. It was a in- we'd say. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, his, he said, I want to be a, a oh. pro ball player. And then he, he said, no, no, no. no. I want to be in the Hall of Fame, okay. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I said, "I'm with you. Let's go." You know, yeah. you got to respect that wish. And so one day before a game, yeah, his dad brought him out, and yeah. uh, we did a couple of routines, um, a little bit of physical stuff, and we we had it. We had him with a kettlebell, did some good things, and then I did uh, a few rounds of EFT. That's Emotional sure. Freedom Techniques. I think we mm-hmm. might have done, um, a little bit of, uh, RPR. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that. In some other podcasts. Yes. Yeah. And man, he was just lit up. He was so activated and you're right. He threw, I think it was something like 28 out of 30 pitches were strikes, you know, took something crazy. You can't, yeah. you can't, uh, make think that about st- that
1: for a second. 28 out of 30 pitches were strikes for a 12 year old kid.
0: Ridiculous. And then here's the crazy thing too, that after this, and this is so typical of humans and I'm not knocking, um, you know, him or his guardian parents or coaches at the time, if I had had that performance and I had done that routine before, I would have said, dad, I need to go back and do that again every time. And yet that was not the response. (laughs) Oh, and that's, you know, so we're surrounded by. You know,
1: information overload, parents just going which way ever the wind is blowing. I mean, because Coach Fox, think about some of the athletes. we have had a, a long jumper who, you know, while working with us broke, you know, was, I don't know if she broke the record, but you know, pretty close. I know she broke a bunch of meat records mm-hmm. and, um, and then some other coach tells her to do it another way and she drops two feet off her jumps. And I'm just like, well, if we got you to a point to where you're breaking records every meet. Why aren't we seeing you? Why are you, why, why are you choosing to listen to other people? And then when you get this information and it decreases your performance, you still choose to train with the people. And these okay. are the things that we deal with. And those are the things I've dealt with that I just, um, I'm not a, I'm not going to fight people over what I do.
0: Well, this is, you don't need to right. and let's stop here and talk about this is so important. I hope listeners are still uh, <laughs> engaged in this because this is so key is that it's not that Humans don't have answers, don't have solutions to problems. We have solutions. We have storylines that get in the way of us implementing those solutions. Mm-hmm. I, my, I got a couple of my soapbox uh, stories that I tell. I'll do one of them here, which is, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Semmelweis back in the 19th century. He went to his medical convention and said, hey, fellow doctors, geniuses of Europe, um, there are invisible creatures that are killing our patients and (laughs) laughed him out of the room. And he, he got even worse when he said, but guys, you know, we can, we can take care of this. We just gonna we're going to kill these invisible creatures with soap and water. And at that point they threw him out of the profession. He was no longer allowed to practice medicine. And of course, what he was describing was simply beyond his, uh, technology and the verbiage of the day. And he was talking about bacteria. And yet, um, it took decades for humans to, to wash their hands (laughs) and many people died and we still are reminding people today to wash hands. We've been through the pandemic and we were just all about, you know, covering your face and wash your hands. Mm -hmm. And so it's a funny thing with humans. Um, we, uh, we don't go to what is a solution. Till a long, long time, yeah. And and even then, we have to be kept reminded, of keeping to re- remind us of that. So, I don't know, my friend. I, I guess we're not going to be able to save the world with it. However, if somebody wants to listen and experience some amazing techniques, um, you've delivered them. I've delivered them, and yeah. uh, it's not. We're not saying that out of ego. We're saying it out of that. Uh, somebody might get interested enough to. Uh, Give Darius Gilbert a ring at dynamic sport performance. <laughs>
1: yes, 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 yes. It's all experiential here. We're like, we used to, like we like to say, we've, uh, we used, we call it the DSP lab and we don't call it a lab for no reason. It's just, we really try to train all of these things that we teach and implement around the country. We've seen it. Um, some people would say, um, it, you know, it, 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 kills, it, 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 it makes me laugh when I hear, you know, some of these coaches talk about the athletes they have and, you know, you're at LSU or wherever, well, you're getting the best possible athlete in the country. Well, we've taken, we've taken some kids who people can't believe actually went on to play at an elite right. level in D1, they can't believe their eyes when they've seen the work that we've done with these wow. young athletes. And so I, that's, that's what separates us from everybody else. We don't, we're not, we're not we are not the gifted athletes, trained with the non-gifted athletes, they're doing the same thing. And those non-gifted athletes, they can check pretty soon because they have the same training and protocols that these right. so-called gifted uh, genetic kids have. And so, um, I think that's our claim of fame. It doesn't matter
0: who you are. You're going to be good once we're done with it. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know that this is a loaded question because everybody's different. How long does it take for somebody who is, let's say not a gifted yeah. athlete to start to see measurable results from the DSP training? Ooh, I love that question. And
1: I will say today, the day is the and today is the answer, meaning if we get our hands on you, um, if we if we're able to and, and, um, to even talk to you, it's <laughs> to, to let you know where we're coming from, how this is gonna go about, you're gonna change right away. Your thought process will complete. Well so many kids leave and they're just like, okay, this guy is it, you know, because he's already broken it down. But Coach Fox, we know that most, the majority of these kids, we already know what their ailments and their problems are when they walk in the door, tight hips, uh, weak feet. Um, it is just total general, just a, a lack of strength around the body. Um, and so the things that we do, we try to address the hips. Okay. Like well, we can open up your hips in about 30 seconds to where you feel like you've gained three or four inches on your vertical jump, just off some simple stuff like that, the stuff that matters. Um, and so I always say to an athlete. You're going to change today because I'm going to give you something that you don't have when we're not working on the things that you're good at. We're working on the things that, that you're not good at. And so you're going to change today. Today, you're going to be able to jump higher. I feel that way about every person that I meet because I know exactly how to ignite the nervous system, how to open up the hips, how to prep the person for doing something fast and explosive. Um, I just think most coaches don't understand. They don't really understand all of the details that we understand that goes into making the decision to saying, use this exercise to help you jump higher. It's not just, um, you know, and through our experience, we've been able to choose, find exercise that really elicit an adaptation day one. And so the first that. day we've seen you, you're going to be different.
0: Well, I like that, you know, and I think that the uh, high level view of what you just said too, is that. You have an, an expectation and I'll call it, I'll translate it into a word I like, which is intention, yeah. an intention that somebody is going to grow. somebody's going to expand their horizons, their you know, physical abilities, their mental abilities. And I think that's really important. And it's not talked a lot about in, uh, yes. in coaching world, which is what is your intention as a coach? Yes. And if, and if you have that at a deep, deep level, and I know you do anybody who just listened to you will agree. I know that translates into an effect on that young person or any person that's in your presence. You oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, just think about it, coach. You know, we, we,
1: we make them understand. And, um, you know, I have a, a, a kid who's at a, I can, I hope I can name the school. He's at PT, um, top point guard in the country. And, uh, he was the top point guard when he came to me. I didn't make him into the top point guard, you know, on the top of the country, but, but in in training him, you know, how many people can tell a top point guard in the country like you stink at this, you you really no good at this, and I would tell him that, and I would tell him that, and then he would see a twelve year old next to him who's doing it better than him, and so that kid like, well, just imagine where you would be or where you're going to be when we can do this on one foot, when you can do this type of, when you can explode this way, and now the kid is like, yeah, you're right because. I'm not explosive and I'm already the either you know, the best in the game. So so imagine where I'm gonna be. And so we give them hope. And I always say to a kid, and also bec- because of our programming and the way we train, it makes sense. I always say to a kid, so if your bench press went up 40 pounds today, will that make you a better sprinter? Will that make you a better football player? Well, that's what the majority of the young kids in high school are doing. They're working on lifts. Right. They probably have
0: nothing to do with their own field performance, right? So, this is still the funniest. Uh, I'll get to that high school lifting stuff in a moment here, shoot college too. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of things. One is first off the value of having somebody who can help you, um, understand at a deep level, so it's really being an educator and to yes. be yes. a great, great coach, great tr- trainer is to be an educator. And then oh, secondly, and this is really key too, is somebody like that, look, he's, he's you say top point guard in the country, and you got to be a college player, got to be well known. He or she needs a safe place to see themselves clearly. Let's face yes. it: if you, they yeah. would never want to be in public and have it, have somebody say this twelve year old next to you is sharper of movement patterns than you, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> yes, so you've provided that, and I think that's a a, a great point, which is to have an emotionally safe. Environment where people can learn.
1: Yes, 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 and, I, and 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 that's all part of it. And I think they appreciate that when they can see, you know, a, a younger athlete who can move really, really well. It excites them. Um, I know, you know, when I see some, well, well, maybe not. I wouldn't say me, but you can see some of the athletes. They cheer on good movement. They cheer on um, something, uh, uh, something, somebody being able to accomplish or do something that they can't do. And that's just the environment that we have. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, coach, you know, we have a, we're surrounded. We live in a good part of the country and, um, we have some amazing parents with some amazing kids who really, really want to get after it. And, um, there's some parts of the country where I know some coaches who don't have any access to kids who want to play sports or do anything like, that way. So we're blessed to have really, really good, really, really good kids who want to, who want to do well, who want to compete at the highest level want to go and play college sports. So it's a little easier for us to put them into that environment all together and, um, and you know, be able to look at each other's faults, but but not be um, discouraged by anything that they seek. So, you know, the environment, I think what we do at DSB, you know, it could be me, it could be you, you know, we just having an amazing, we just have an amazing environment for growth. And the education part, which you said, coach, is really important. Um, right now I'm, I'm working, collaborating with a, with a company and, and, you know, we talk about, you know, how can I, how, what can I do to, you know, boost, you know, their, 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 their training. And I said, the first thing that we have to do is educate. Um, We have to, they have to know why they're doing certain things. They have to know why they can't do this food camp class. They have to know why they can't eat this food. They have to know they had, they can't train five days in a row. They have to know we need one reps, not 10 reps. Um, if they don't know, then we can't really, in, you know, they, we're just like everybody else. We're not separating ourselves from them. And so educating these people, um, as well as training them is the important part of it. the worst part that what I hate to see is a kid who's gone through a program for eight years, but can't explain to you anything that he's learned about how to teach, to exercise, anything like that. And so that's, um, that's a, that's a huge, uh huge problem that we really try to focus on educating our clients. That's Um, cool. That's cool.
0: I totally agree. And, um, we are in a generation of kids that are, uh, definitely. And they're, they're, they're not the kind of kids that existed 50 years ago, where they, people would just follow orders and they're gonna, you know, run through a wall no matter what, no, (laughs) they need to be, they need to understand. And that's a good thing. And. And with that, I think they do feel empowered and they can become trainers. And I'm, that's what's happening. And you're developing yes. a whole new generation of trainers, which is awesome. We'll save that for next time. Um, yes. Before, before we let, let ourselves uh, go on to uh, greener things later today, um, yeah. tell us about some of the programs that you have in place today and what perhaps some of the audience uh, would be interested in joining up. Oh, wow.
1: Okay, thank you, Coach. And uh, we just have a number of things going on. I'm probably going to leave a lot out. Um, um, I think the first thing that I want to mention is a manual that Coach Spock and I and Coach Bastola worked on years ago that really laid the foundation for everything that we're talking about today. Um, And it's a kettlebell for sport performance manual. I'm super proud of it. Um, If so, we've sold a a lot of uh, people, trained their teams with it. Um, They train their kids with it. And so that's just one thing I want to mention about the uh, 44 kettlebells for kettlebells for sport performance manual. There, go pick that up. That's on my, um, you can find it on my Instagram or on our website, kettlebellsportsperformance dot Um, Also, I have um, we have upcoming certification in New York City at Chelsea Piers, probably the biggest gym, um, one of the biggest gyms in the country in track. So we're running our dynamics sport performance certified coach workshop there. It'll be our second one at that location. We have another one coming up in our hometown in Alexandria, Virginia, which is July 7th and 8th. And everybody's coming to that. It's going to be, we're inviting all of our former athletes out to come and be trained and to demonstrate and just to have overall, just two days of fun.
0: What kind of certification is that? Is that also DSBCC?
1: It is a DSBC certification, dynamic sport performance certification. We have our level two coming up in October, slated to be at the St. James, we still It's finalizing the details for that, but the big thing we have a speed academy that's being launched on Friday, and I am hoping to have Mister Daniel Fox headed up. I'm still still trying to work that out and get my hands on him (laughs) and get my hands on him.
0: Yeah, he's he's in great demand. Darius, it's hard to get
1: him. It's hard to get into him. I'm feeling bad. I'm like, look at him. He getting all that love. That's my man there. And so, uh, and so, we've got a speed academy that we're launching. And, uh, which one of my, one of our coaches who, uh, heard a hurler, hurler all American. And obviously we want Daniel Fox to, to help lead that program as well. And, uh, lastly, I'll say something I'm very proud of. We've done a lot of certifications in Puerto Rico, some of the AK's Island. Tomorrow, um, we are launching our first certification in Brazil. And, um, oh. and so it's, uh. Um, a couple of our coaches are from Brazil. One of our coaches has a house on the beach in Brazil, and he has a full slate, slate of kettlebells there. And um, I'm super proud of it because I'm super proud because now my coaches are having an opportunity to do bigger things. And um, and so I'm excited to have those two partner with those two to run our first uh, is It's called a Speed and Strength Camp in Brazil. BSBC Speed and Strength
0: Camp, 5-day event, January 19th, wow. 14th. So. That's really super. That's right. Yeah. Well, um, I appreciate you being on the show here. You've got a ton of things. I know we're going to have multiple part conversations because there's no shortage of things for us to talk about and get excited about and share with people. Um, we got one to,
1: more thing, Coach. Yeah, we we have our else? we have
0: our we have a complete coach our complete coach
1: webinar to be held May twenty fourth, and I am super excited about that. Everybody's That's ready for that. They've been itching to get their hands on Coach Fox. So. Finally, finally, yes. finally, they'll get their opportunity. Yeah, I'm we're excited we're,
0: about that. Exactly. And just say a little bit about that. We're collaborating to try to bring just great tools to uh, the coaches and trainers of the world. And, um, you know, that's, I specialize in working with, we'll call it the non-physical to help drive the physical. And i have got some amazing clients and great, great client stories where people have just worked on their. non-physical piece and had a you know set a new pr Um, Mm -hmm. so it's really great stuff i look forward to helping this wonderful community that you serve and um yeah tell us where tell tell the Mm -hmm. audience where you can be found on social media and your website okay well i'm not the best at
1: social media um i mainly Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. I mainly repost people tagging me stuff. So if you're looking for some initial, some, some, some new content, you might have to come to one of our events, but, <laughs> um, um, Coach Darius on Instagram, um, Darius Andre Gilbert on LinkedIn and Facebook and our website, just in case you want any more information is com. Oh, Pretty easy there. Awesome. And,
0: um, and again, let here's my, uh, my website is the T A T champion I'd be happy to speak with anybody out there who's interested in maximizing who they are as an athlete and an athlete, And we do that using some really awesome energy psychology tools. And these things are clinically proven and I've been doing it for 13 plus years. And, man, it's just a joy. And I'll say this last
1: piece, there's no DSP without coach Fox for all, for all the listeners here, there's no DSP without wow. coach Fox. Coach, thank you for everything that you've done for me and continue, to do, and continue to do with me. And I'm just excited about everything we have coming up. So
0: thank you, thank you, thank you, Coach. Man, we're going to have some more fun, help more people. Yes, sir. Thanks. All right, All my right. friend. Thanks, Darius. You take care. All, All right. right, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. What I really love is if you give me a call, I'd love to have individual conversations with people. Give me a call or a text, and we will set that up. And my phone number is 703-624-8265. I'm a real person. Let's have a phone call, and I look forward to it. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.